Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. I am a recipe developer, cookbook author, wife, mama, and lover of all things creamy peanut butter, bagels with locks, chocolate chip banana bread, and like a really, really, really good pizza. Ideally, all in the same day, please. It only seems fitting to share a few of my absolute favorite foods with you guys this week since the co-founders of my favorite, favorite, favorite creamy peanut butter in the entire world are on the podcast today. You guys, let's give a huge welcome and hello to Keely and Erica, the founders of Wild Friends Foods. Wild Friends makes the most delicious nut and seed butters in the entire world. They have been my go-to since before I even had a food blog, which you'll hear Eric and I even talk about in the episode. I've known them for so, so long. You'll also hear a ton about their story in this episode, how they got started, all things growing their business, what makes their products stand out compared to other nut butters on shelves, and so much more like working, what it's like working with your best friend, leaving school to pursue your your brand, your company at a young age. And it is so, so, so inspiring listening to Erica and Keely's story. This episode is near and dear to my heart as I love Erica and Keely so much. They are not only making the best of the best nut butters, but they are just the sweetest humans in the entire world. They are the makers of my go-to peanut butter to drizzle, spoon, bake with, and now Jordan and Ezra are also as obsessed as I am. Literally, I fight Jordan because he uses like half a jar of peanut butter in his smoothies. I'm like, Jordan, we need to slow down. I need this for baking. He apparently needs it in his smoothie concoction that has 75 other ingredients in it. Needless to say, we go through jars like there is no tomorrow. And if you guys want to stock up on Wild Friends nut butters, I highly recommend heading on over to their website to order it. It's the best place to find it, especially right now when you can order as much as you want. And if you're listening to this, when the episode comes out, stock up on their holiday seasonal flavors. They are absolutely amazing, like the pumpkin spice peanut butter, the sugar cookie peanut butter. They are all so good. And if you use my code RACHEL, you can get free shipping on your Wild Friends orders. It's the only free shipping code out there for these, so definitely take full advantage of that. And don't forget to tag us over on Instagram when you're listening to our chat. And if you have a quick moment to rate and review the podcast, you guys know at this point how much that means to me. So thank you so, so much. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mega Food. As you guys heard in my last few episodes, Mega Food and I go way back and their products are an absolute staple in my supplement cabinet. At this point, we all know that adding the superfood turmeric into our diet is a game changer for many, many reasons. I personally stink at remembering to sprinkle it on like roasted veggies and things. And yeah, it's in my spice cabinet, but I just like don't remember to use it, which is why I love, I love and turn to the mega food turmeric strength for whole body. It's a supplement that you can take every day. It combines whole foods and extracts that support a healthy response to inflammation. It has real farm fresh turmeric root and pure turmeric extract in it. Plus, they also have turmeric powder and gummies if you prefer something other than a supplement. I've been sneaking the powder into my chia puddings all the time for breakfast, which I actually should definitely share with you guys very soon because the recipe is so good. I make this like pecan pie chia pudding with a turmeric powder and it is to die for. Definitely stay tuned for that. 
All mega food products are non-GMO, tested for more than 125 herbicides and pesticides, and they are all gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, or vegetarian, and soy-free, which is something really, really rare in vitamins and supplements, believe it or not. A lot of brands sneak in soy to them, which I think is just like so unnecessary for so many reasons. If you want to order anything from Mega Food, literally anything, you can use the code RACHEL for 15% off your order. And I also link to everything over in the show notes if that's easier for you. So head on over to megafood.com and use the code RACHEL and stock up on anything and everything you need. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Spindrift. Now, if you guys follow me over on Instagram, you know, for the last, I want to say like three, three years or so, I have been partnering with Spindrift, which is a dream come true. They are my absolute favorite sparkling beverage. We pretty much go through, if I had to count, I want to say about 10 to 15 cases per month. I'm not kidding. Jordan and I drink one to two per day. My father-in-law pretty much has an IV of Spindrift in his arm at all times. He loves it so much. But what we love the most about Spindrift is it's simple. It's simple. It's to the point. It's sparkling water with real fruit squeezed into it. There's no natural flavors. There's no artificial anything. Like natural flavors, you don't you don't even know what they are half the time. And I just love what they're doing and it's absolutely delicious. You almost feel like it like I the lemon one is my favorite one and when you crack open a can you take a sip and you truly think it's like seltzer with real lemon squeezed in because that's what it is. It's awesome. The pineapple is brand new which is amazing. The half and half is Jordan's favorite. My personal two faves, pineapple and lemon. Jordan loves half and half. We also love using the lime. You can mix it with mocktails, cocktails, anything you want. I link to it over in my Amazon on my shop page, but you can also snag it in most grocery stores. It's also in like Sweet Green and Kava and all of those like fast casual restaurants too. So definitely check them out if you haven't already. And now let's dive into today's episode. I am sitting here with the co-founders of, well, I guess you're the Founders together. You don't, you're not entering one of you, so I'll say co-founder. I'm sitting here with the founders of Wild Friends. And as you guys know, that's like my ride or die creamy peanut butter. I don't think I'd have a career if it wasn't for your peanut butter. Now <laughs> so thank you guys so much. So I'm sitting here with Keely and Erica. And I love to have you both introduce yourselves. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Erica. As Rachel said, I'm one of the Wild Friends co-founders, and I'm just really excited to be here. Yeah, ditto. I'm Keely, and our, our voices sound very similar, Rachel, so we'll try to just differentiate when we can who's talking, but it doesn't really matter. We're basically one human for the purpose of this interview. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we're so excited to be here, and you have been such a great friend to us and to the brand. So we're just excited to chat. It's kind of, like you said, it's nice to have a break in the day to just talk with a couple of friends. I love all the guests I bring on, obviously, like others, I wouldn't bring them on, but it's like, such a, like <laughs> I've known you guys for like six years. Like I, know, yeah, a long time. I knew you when I was at Bi, right? I think so. I think, or just maybe like in the transition period, which is kind of crazy. That's so, so, so long ago. So I'd love to kind of hear, like, I personally know the story, but I'd love to have you guys, you know, start from the beginning. You're in college. Is that where you met in college? So it 
it goes back further than that. So oh we actually God. met in high school. We actually met in high school and we were sophomores. I think, Keely, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't actually think we crossed past freshman year. So I think, you know, sophomore year, high school, we were in a lot of the same classes. We had kind of overlapping friend groups. Um, so our friendship started there and we weren't, you know, best friends, but we definitely saw each other a lot and got to know each other in high school. And Keely suggested, had the brilliant idea of suggesting that we room together in college because we were going to the same school. We were going to University of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon. And that, I mean, if she didn't suggest that, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have a business because we roomed together in the dorms and we immediately became attached at the hip. Like we did everything together. And we quickly realized we were both obsessed with peanut butter. And, you know, in the dorms, you like can go to the cafeteria or kitchens and like get food. But we like we couldn't get the kind of peanut butter we wanted in the little dorm like grocery store. So we would make special trips to the specialty grocery store off campus, which like felt like a big deal when you like left campus in college. So we like splurged on the jar of natural peanut butter and we went through like jars so quickly we traded off like who was going to buy it each week and so that I mean that's just kind of a funny story but it really is like we like bonded over that immediately we're like you love peanut butter too and we would share like I remember Keely sharing stories of you know how her and her dad would eat like peanut butter and fluff sandwiches like growing up and how I would you know just put it on everything so our friendship was, you know, really rooted in the love of peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. The that you used to buy at the store. That was actually one of the questions was what peanut butter did you guys used to eat? We used to buy Adam's and that was like in Adam's peanut butter is like a West coast. It's kind of like the Teddy peanut butter of the West coast. Like it's like that classic glass yeah. jar, but it's just so funny looking back to those times. And Rachel, you'll total, this will resonate with you of just like how little natural food there was in sort of the mainstream even like seven or eight years ago I mean we were so weird because we didn't want to eat like Skippy we wanted to go find a jar of Adams so um it's funny to see how it really evolved but I mean even back in the dorms there was always just something about food that really like united Erica and myself and that was kind of unusual for a college student to be so interested in natural foods and so we really bonded over that um, even before we thought about having a company and that was freshman year that was freshman year of college. Yeah. So, so, okay. So how, where did like the entrepreneurial spirit start? So you're making, you are buying peanut butter and then you start yep. making peanut butter in your dorm room with no kitchen. So, right? No, no. So we, yeah. So we actually, we moved out of the dorms like after freshman year and we decided we're like, we love living together. Let's keep doing it. So we got an <laughs> apartment together and then so that you know we had our own kitchen really for the first time in our lives we were like 18 and 19 and we you know we realized we're like oh we have a kitchen we can start like cooking for ourselves and that's really where i mean i think for both of us where we learned to start cooking for ourselves and learn to like figure out like what our preferences are what we want to buy at the grocery store and prepare and cook for the week and um, you know, we'd always have, again, something kind of unusual about us. Like we'd always have dinner parties. And again, we were like 18 and 19, like cooking for all of our friends. <laughs> like, well, like, like dinner was parties was like a lot of sweet potatoes and quinoa. It was like, like yeah. kind of like oh very, very like hippie Eugene. But like yeah. one day yeah. there was like this very, like our startup story is so like made for a little blurb. It was literally like a rainy day. We didn't want to go to the store. We ran out of peanut butter. 
And Erica had gotten a food processor for Christmas, which we thought was like just the most amazing <laughs> thing. Like, like we own a food processor. We can make so many sauces. Um, and then we just decided to try making peanut butter. We had like peanuts in a huge bag from like the bulk food store. And it was like magic. You like put them in a food processor, you press the button, and all of a sudden you have a giant thing of peanut butter. It like blew our minds. Yeah, okay. And then of course, yeah, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then when something's in a food processor, you just want to like see what else you can add, you know, it's sort of like instinctive. So we were like, okay, well, what if we put raisins in here or in cinnamon? And then like, what if we made a chocolate one? What if we made, and then we just had made all these different flavors and this, we had never heard of a flavored peanut butter before. Like we'd never bought it anywhere. Like maybe Nutella was like the only thing we'd really tried. But then of course we had so much peanut butter and Rachel, you create recipes. So, you know, like the chaos that is like so many things all over your counter and just being like, I need to give this away. And Erica wrote crew at the time. So we knew a lot of really hungry athletes. So we like, we're like, yes, we will, we will bring all of this food to our athlete friends and they will just eat it all. And that's exactly what happened. And they like raved about it. It made us feel so good. Like, this is so amazing. This is the best thing I've ever eaten. We were like, we're geniuses. (laughs) So like, we felt really good about ourselves and decided to make a little website. And I think it was because they pumped us up so much that we did what like our friends pumping us up was what like made us create a company. Otherwise we would have been like, Oh, that was a fun project. I guess, you know, tomorrow we'll go do our geology homework, you know? <laughs> that's so cool. But like, that's such an, like an entrepreneurial like mindset to have as like a sophomore in college, like in a sophomore in college, I was binge eating pizza, pledging a sorority and like blacked out 95% of the day and <laughs> starting a company. So you make a website did, and from there, like, what happened? Did you start, like, just making it still in your food processor? Like, when did you go to, like, a facility and kind of really turn this into a company? So for a while, we did make it out. Like, we were making out of our food processors, the two of us, for a long time. And we, you know, we would make it out of our kitchen for a while. And then once we got accepted to a farmer's market on campus and, you know, we got accepted to one like outside of campus as well. We're like, okay, we need to be a little more professional than making it in our, you know, college apartment kitchen. So we rented a commercial kitchen space in Eugene and we would borrow Keeley's brother's car. Like we'd like sneak onto his, you know, he was in a fraternity. We'd like steal his car without him knowing, make him really mad. We would drive to the store and buy all of these ingredients and then drive to this commercial kitchen space and just be up all night making this. Like if any of, any of you listening or you I mean Rachel I don't know if you've actually ever made have you ever made nut butter yourself no okay well that's fine you don't need to (laughs) I made Brazil I've made nut butters like aren't on the market like Brazil nut butter I wouldn't if that was on the market like a hundred dollars a jar so yeah right so if you have it's just it takes a long time to make like out of a food process like we were making like three little eight ounce jars at a time so it's very time consuming you know, we were going to classes all day and practice. And then we'd like stay up all night making this, you know, nut butter. So we did, we were doing that for a long time, selling at farmer's markets. Um, as Kelly mentioned, like we had our website, we got word out by like, just like word of mouth and our friends were like, you know, telling all of their other friends on campus. And we started a Facebook. And so that was kind of our initial social media, um, you know, from, you know, very early on, that's how we got the word out about, about our product. So from there, we, you know, were really successful at the farmer's markets. Like we would sell out every time and 
we just kept thinking, we're like, this is awesome. We know people love this. And as Keely was mentioning, we just were getting so much like validation from people that they're like, oh, we want to keep buying this. Where can I go? Like, where, where can I get this in a store? And that's really like planted the seed in our mind of like, oh, you know, farmer's market season is only so long, at least in the Northwest, because it gets like kind of gross and rainy. So where can people, like, how can we get people to buy our products? Um, like somewhere else besides a farmer's market. So that really inspired us to start looking into grocery stores and we um, pursued a grocery store that's like local here to the, to the Northwest area in Portland called New Seasons. And they were our first grocery store. And that really, yeah, that started our grocery store journey. And since then we've been, you know, selling in stores and online, like our website, um, you know, since very early on. And now it's, it's been almost 10 years, which is crazy. That is so crazy. What were like the first few flavors that you were selling at the farmer's market? Are they still in the like product line? Yeah. So the first products we made, we had like all these little squirrel names for them. So like sneaky <laughs> cinnamon and like honey, like pretzel pizzazz. We had like a honey pretzel peanut butter that people still email us about because they miss it. Honestly, one of the biggest questions I also, sorry to interrupt that was asked. Yeah, like, when is honey pretzel coming back? Oh my God. I know. I know. I mean, it's such a popular flavor. We just can't, that's like at introducing a bunch of allergens into our facility. We can't do anymore, which is so a bummer, but we do tell people like buy our classic creamy and break up pretzels into it. It's pretty shocking. They don't get soggy. They taste, they stay crunchy in the peanut butter, which is cool. So that's just, that's the tip for people that want to know about how to make their own. It's actually really easy. But I mean, to answer your question earlier, Rachel, when you were like, you guys are so entrepreneurial, I think like one kind of myth I wanted to spell about us was that we were like very entrepreneurial. I think we were just like fun seekers. So we were like, <laughs> we the, like making peanut butter so fun. Like people are giving us all these compliments about our peanut butter. Great. Like let's sell it so we can like go have more fun. It really felt like the funnest thing going on for us. And I think like following that feeling when, yeah. you know, every day was what, obviously it's not all fun all the time, but in those early days, it did feel so fun. And when we talk to entrepreneurs that are like maybe a year in and they're so tired and they're, they're really beaten down. It's like, maybe this isn't like the right business for you. And that's totally okay. Right. It's like following what makes you feel excited. And we, we just felt so excited in that first year. It really did like all the stuff we did. If you asked us to do it over again, we'd be like, I don't know if we can, because it was just so, so unglamorous and so draining, like working all night, making peanut butter, but it felt really fun then. So um, we definitely weren't like trying to create a business really. It was just like, this is more fun than school. Let's see how long we can keep this up. <laughs> it's almost like a, an adrenaline rush in a way where you're like so excited and like, you know, you don't even realize that you're like running on empty by the end of it. So when you think back, you're like, oh my God, I was so tired. That's what I think of like Ezra in the newborn phase. I was so tired. Right. Like you still kept going, you kept tracking along, you got through it. When did right. you guys decide to not go back to school to pursue wild friends so we went on to shark tank so some of you guys listening might have seen us on shark tank and we you know presenting our peanut butters again we were so young like the youngest entrepreneurs like without parents to go onto shark tank which is just kind of funny to think about so we were just and for people who so, don't know what shark tank is it's like a show on abc where you like pitch to a bunch of millionaires and billionaires just yeah. in case somebody, people don't know what it is, but carry on. Yeah. So to say it was intimidating is like the understatement of the year. Like I just, I especially was like so terrified 
and they're, you know, lights and cameras and these, they're like, you know, the investors that are staring right at you, asking you all these hard questions. But one of, I mean, with any product, especially food, they try it on set and they do not lie. Like if they don't like it, they're going to tell you right then and there. And this is another example of where we got some like validation and felt like confident in what we were making because they all loved it and they raved about it. They said how good it was. Um, and that, I think, I mean, I remember like that moment being kind of a, a, a big turning point for us and just saying like, okay, if these, you know, millionaires and billionaires, I think there's at least one billion in, in the group are going to, you know, say like, what a great idea and what a great business this could be. Then we, you know, want to pursue this when I remember on the plane ride home, Keely and I like, we're sitting next to each other on the plane and we just decided we were like, we're going to tell our parents we're dropping out of school as soon as we land. Like it felt like this very dramatic moment and decision and look, I mean, it was a big decision at the time. Um, but it was the best decision that we, that we made to really, you know, allow us to have like the space to focus on our company and grow our company. But that was, yeah, that was, it was very early. I mean, that was like less than a year than from, you know, even like six months from when we first started like making peanut butter in our apartment. So it was pretty quick that we made that decision. That's so crazy. I remember knowing you guys as like the shark tank company. <laughs> like I, yes. I personally hadn't watched, I've only seen your episode and then a few other ones. And I think like Bethany Frankel was on it or like a judging it recently or something. And so I was oh, like, okay. interested. so I, I'll probably have to, I'm always like curious, like what companies are like coming out these days and going on there, but you're one of the OG brands to go on shark tank and like get the validation. And so what did you, like, what did you do next? You got, you dropped out of school. Did you hire anyone? Was it just you guys doing this? Yeah. I, I mean, right after we dropped out of school and I mean, I always tell people too, like dropping out of school is like less of like dropping out makes it sound so like active and dramatic. It's more just like, you just don't sign up for more classes, you know, um, which is sort of funny. Um, but we lived on campus for another couple terms. Like I took a accounting class cause I was like, I guess I'm going to have to like figure out how to do accounting for our business and like just learning a bunch of things. And we did not hire anyone right away. My dad used to work for Coca-Cola. So he was like in the beverage space. He had just finished working for Honest Tea who had just sold. And he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. And he'd always wanted to start a, like, a food or bev brand. So he was so excited about what we were doing and was like, cool, I'll help you guys, you know, for free and help you guys get into some stores while I'm figuring out what I'm going to do next. And of course, like you basically put a VP of sales level person in your business and it's like, oh my God, now we're in like, we were just in so like about a hundred stores really fast because he knew how to, you know, who to talk to and get us in front of buyers, which was just amazing. Um, there's no replacement for that. But then of course we're sitting there and, and I'm like, well, we have to figure out how to make all this peanut butter and we have to like figure out how to do the accounting and like put, basically put the tracks in front of this train that's now like moving. And you know, my dad never actually went back to do any other work. He worked for us for like eight years as our VP of sales. And so it was Erica, myself and my dad, and we didn't hire anyone else for literally years. I mean, I think part of it was like, we know how to do it, so we'll just do it. And like, we're like 18 and 19. It's like, you're, you'll never be scrappier and like more energetic. And I mean, we did, you know, 15 jobs each. And I don't think we even thought like, we were like, we can't afford to hire anyone. So we'll just do everything. Like we'll do our own Costco demos. We'll do our own bookkeeping. We'll like do our own sales meetings. We'll do everything. And I think that paid off in a lot of ways, but we also look back and we're like, 
we probably should have hired our director of operations like three years earlier. It would have made our lives a lot better, <laughs> but we, just, we didn't even think about it. I feel like operational help is usually one of the first areas that a brand outsources in a way, even if it's not like a full-time employee, like someone that can like oversee the manufacturing and stuff. Did you guys like get a co-packer to like help kind of offset the weight of making product or what did, what was your, uh, that's always like some brands are like pro co-packer. Some brands like we like to make it in-house. Like how have you guys approached this? I think it really depends on the product. Like some products you can make in-house pretty affordably. Nut butter, like somebody emailed us the other day and they're like, I'm making my own peanut butter, but I can't make the same texture as yours at home. What machine should I buy? And we're like, <laughs> you would need to spend like multi-millions of dollars to have the kind of setup that we use at our manufacturer to make our nut butter. Cause there's a huge roasting machine and there's a giant grinder and there's all these pieces and jarring and lidding and that would have been really hard for us to build ourselves without the huge volume that a manufacturer has. So like our, we have an amazing um, manufacturer that we work with now and they work with huge, you know, imagine like the biggest retailers in the country, they make their private label. So they have huge volume so they can create like state of the art setup that then we get to use like three days a month. So it's co-packing is really good for our business. So you make all your nut butter just three days a month? Or do you have Basically, like three days where you make peanut butter, three days where you make almond butter? It depends on the facility. So like this new facility can make all the nut butter we sell in less than a week every month, That's which is amazing. I mean, they make like a few hours on their machine will make multi-truck loads of nut butter, which is so cool. But we've worked in the past when we first started, we worked with a co-packer where we were making nut butter like excruciatingly slow speeds because they're like, they were sort of an intermediary size. They're small. They did a lot of stuff by hand and we would go and we would work on the line, like literally labeling jars and stuff. Um, so we've seen the gamut, but that's what's really cool about when you start a company and like you start to see it grow is you get to improve so many systems along the way. But we've, we have seen it all. <laughs> we have seen so much. I mean, I think, I don't think people realize, you know, we say this all the time, like you picture a facility, you picture like how it's made, like shiny, beautiful, everything's just automated. Most food manufacturing in our country is like a lot of humans and their hands, like screwing on lids and packing jars. And so it's cool when we get to go and just see how hardworking everyone is that works on our product and how like amazing, it, amazingly hardworking our American food system workers are. And like, it's, I think they go underappreciated. That's that's a side comment, but it's something we were noticing last time. It's just like, man, these people work so, so, so hard. And I don't think people appreciate how many people work hard on their food. I remember going to like the brand I worked at before this. I used to go to their fulfillment center and like go and like watch the product get made. And just like how many hands and eyes it took to get one perfect bottle of the drink was crazy to me. And yeah. like inspecting it and this and all the precautions and stuff. It was like a whole different world. Are you guys produced in Portland or in Oregon? No, our facility is in California. Well, in, sort of, in Fresno, in the in the Valley of Almonds. <laughs> is that where all the almonds are from? Is that a dumb question? No, no. that's not a dumb question, but it's it's like, I mean, that whole valley of California is just like food land. Like every nut, you know, almonds, pistachios, walnuts. Um, so when you drive to our facility, you're just driving through like farmland and manufacturing. Um, oh, that's so freaking cool. Yeah, it's really um, awesome. 
when you were starting, did you do like fundraising or were you like self-funded at first or how did that work for you guys? Yeah. So when we first started, I we did a Kickstarter of <laughs> like every good tiny brand and we raised painstakingly raised $10,000. Um, and so that combined with some early, like basic couple thousand, sorry, not a hundred thousand, $50,000 for my family. So we had $70,000 to start and that got us through like our first run. We were not paying ourselves, got us through our first run, got us through like the first launch into stores. Um, and then we got a SBA loan and that was like a kind of a paperwork fraught process of applying for a loan. And once again, I mean, this is, I think just a huge area of privilege for us is like, we wouldn't have been able to qualify for a loan if my parents hadn't been like, we'll guarantee your loan and we'll like put our house on the loan. Eric and I owned, Eric and I had like the opposite of money. We had like, personally, obviously we had a huge privilege from our families, but like we wouldn't have been able to get a loan by ourselves. And then we did end up raising money from investors. We've raised a few million dollars over the last 10 years from different, different groups. Um, And we've learned a lot about fundraising. It's starting with like knowing nothing at all about the process of fundraising. And now I think knowing a lot more about what to look for and how to do it. And it's just such an intimidating, scary process, I think, especially for young entrepreneurs. Um, And that's like probably the number one thing that when I talk to other entrepreneurs, they like want to know about, like, how did you find your company? And how do I, how should I find my company? And who should I talk to? And yeah. Well, that was something that came up a lot when I had pulled Instagram for questions was like, I want to start a business. Like, I don't know how to fundraise this. I don't know how to raise money. Like, how did they do it? And like, that's really straight across the board with a lot of the brands that, that I interview on. And I mean, it's always like appreciative where people brand share like a little bit, like obviously I know the finances of, of brands are like very personal and, and confidential for the most part, but it's nice to just share like, this is how we approached it. Cause every single person or every single company has a different way. And like, there's no right or wrong. It's just, it works differently for each brand. But something that you guys are really passionate about are like helping other like founders and companies that are trying to start off. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I guess when it comes to fundraising or just like the the best advice I think we can give is, I think we think of fundraising, like if you raise money, you have a successful company. But I think it's really more like reversing that and being like, how do I create a successful company? Is fundraising a part of that? Like making that a question rather than something you must do to like be validated as a company. And I think also like something that took us a long time to understand is that um, investors, you know, they're a means to an end. Like they invest in the company to help you grow it. But you just having money in your bank account doesn't help you grow. You have to also have a plan of how you're going to use that money. And I think we, at first when we fundraised, we were like, I guess we should just fundraise now because we're growing and we need more capital. Let's just do it. And then over time, we've gotten a lot more strategic about like, do we really need the money? Do we really want more people? Basically voices in our ear giving us advice. Some of it is good and some of it is not good. And you have to basically just have more personalities at the table. So it's just deciding whether that's something you want to do. But we are always like for anybody listening who wants to talk about fundraising or is questioning whether it's something they should do. Like, Eric and I would be like more than happy to chat with them and give them our like even more candid two cents on, on, you know, maybe the best approach for them. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, we don't know what we're doing. So many small companies don't know what they're doing. And we always just try to be as generous as we can be with our time, because even if we don't have the answer, I always, when I talk to other entrepreneurs, find it so comforting when someone else is just like, 
I don't know either, you know, um, and just being able to commiserate from a place of like, we're all just figuring out as we go along, uh, I think is really important. That's like something that I think is so freaking awesome about the space, like the food and beverage industry in particular is everyone seems to be willing to help. And, you know, I know like Samantha, the co-founder of Emmy's like, she's always willing to talk to someone as well. Like, I feel like you guys just like know everybody in the space. And I think that's just so important. Like another brand I work with said like, Hey, can you introduce me to Sam? Like I would have a couple of questions. They have like a similar, you know, the way that they're fulfilling their product is similar to like what I'm thinking. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. And it's funny because like from my end, like some people are really nice and want to help other people. Like if I, like I went to Jordan Younger when I wanted to start my podcast because she had a podcast and she was like so willing to help me and was like answering whatever questions, like put me in touch with her editor. And a lot of people wouldn't do that. Like they would be like, no, like viewing you like another person as like a competitor, but it's just so nice to like help other people because everyone's freaking clueless. It's a wild, wild west, no matter what industry you're in, you know? So I think that's something so cool that you guys do and something so special. Now the products themselves, can you please dive into the cream <laughs> butter and really how you do you make it that creamy? <laughs> <laughs> I have literally my question. How is peanut butter so creamy? Well, we do what's called a, a double grind or just like the way that Kayla was kind of explaining the millions of dollars of machinery that our products are made on. Um, and so just like the way that the settings work on that machinery, like it just comes out like that super luscious, creamy, you know, deliciousness that is our classic creamy peanut butter. And another thing that really contributes to our texture that's different than a lot of other natural nut butters and, you know, a lot of conventional nut butters is we don't use any stabilizers like palm oil is a big one in our, in the natural nut butter world. And from, from the beginning, I mean, we've really like stuck to our roots about like, you know, our ingredient philosophy was like, without even putting it, like saying it out loud or like writing it down, it was just like, let's make nut butters with ingredients that we have in our pantry right now. This is when we were, you know, still called students taking it back to that beginning day. And we, we really approach our products and, you know, when we're recipe developing and coming up with new flavors, that's still how we approach it. And so we've never even, you know, in the beginning, we didn't even know what palm oil was or stabilizers, like what we didn't even know what that was, those were. So that's really how we've continued to, you know, formulate our products. And when you use a stabilizer, it just creates like a, a thicker texture, like it kind of binds the nut butter. And, you know, some people like that, but we prefer, and I know you do as well, like we love like drizzling in our nut butters on everything. And that really, like when you don't use stabilizers, you get that really creamy, you know, drizzly texture. And I know that you, people ask you like, how is this so drizzly? How do you drizzle on nut butter? They're like, do you heat it up or what do you do? And you don't have to, like our creamy peanut butter especially is the most drizzly and you can like get that really I'm motioning right now but you can get that really like drizzly effect and also when you don't use any stabilizers like palm oil like I'm sure you would agree with us Rachel like it just it just tastes like it should like it tastes like peanuts it's like it's in its simplest form it's you know it's nuts and salt and it tastes delicious and the texture is amazing. So we also get a lot of those questions too. I mean, the peanut butter really is like unreal. Like all joking aside, like I know I use a lot of it and eat it literally every day, but like really no peanut butter in my opinion. It sounds so silly that this is like such a serious thought that I have, but no peanut butter like truly compares. And like everyone always asks, oh, how do you heat it up? Or how do you do this? 
I don't do anything. I take a spoon straight from the jar and it just like beautifully decorates anything <laughs> that's like so ugly and needs some type of loving. Need some peanut butter. Exactly. But even your almond butter drizzles so well, like the pumpkin peanut. I just used the pumpkin one for something the other day, like the sugar cookie one I use, like they all drizzle so well. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes I always like link to wild friends and like blog post recipes like as like creamy peanut butter and then like post wild friends because I get a lot of messages or like comments on the blog post. I made this recipe it's too thick. It like didn't turn out or something. And I'm, I'm like, well, what was the brand of the peanut butter? If I know that that's like a big yeah. factor in it. And they'll say like X brand that has palm oil or another ingredient in it. I'm like, that's why it's too thick. Like it's not like, that's not the peanut butter I'm linking to because it's not going to be the same. Like, and I, I also think some of those, and we, I get that too. Just uh, actually, I got a few this week. I think everyone's like in the baking mode right now. So people are like, baking like tagging us on all their muffins and breads and pumpkin this and that and a couple um girls you know dm us and they're like it's the best for baking like i, I saw someone using it. her she was like honestly this is like the best nut butter that i've i've had for baking which is makes us so happy and that's you know like i think a lot of it too like the consistency because it's not like dry so it makes all oh. your goods and drizzling just like extra yummy and and moist, even though I know some people don't like that word. It's true. No, I use that word all the time. <laughs> Bread is so moist. It sounds gross, but it's so true. Um, <laughs> I actually just reorganized my pantry and wait till you see the picture oh of the nut butter drawer. <laughs> I cannot wait. Deep drawer, and it is <laughs> filled with all your nut butters. Like that's like literally all that stacked on top of one another. And when I, I had like a team come to help me because. I can't or I can organize, but not in like the with the processes that like other people have. Like I organize and it's a mess in a week and a half. And they're like, I guess you like really like peanut butter and almond butter. They <laughs> do. Um, yeah. were there any other like new nut butter flavors in the works or anything that you guys are thinking of making soon that you are able to share? Well, we're always like we're all, yeah, always we're all brainstorming things. I think the interesting push and pull for us with nut butters is like the pull between new experimental stuff and classics, like things you can eat every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, right now we're working on expanding our classics line to more include more like everyday eating items. So that'll be something to like watch for. We're definitely going to be doing more like e-com only stuff in the next little bit, just because it's so fun to like launch something new and get immediate feedback and get people to try it. And, um, so, um, you know, we've, we love our classic creamy, but we've been experimenting with crunchy peanut butter. Oh my God. I'd be so, <laughs> I would literally just, be, I didn't have, I haven't, I've been, have I been asking for that for a little while? Like, yeah, like, you have, you have. Okay. Yeah. And you're not the only one. It, I think it's just, it's just been something that like, it seems so obvious, like, duh, we should have a crunchy peanut butter. It's just like not something we've ever done for whatever reason. And so it's just like it's a few things where we're like, okay, we've got a great portfolio, but there's these gaps and we need to fill them in. And then we're also working on some stuff again, like everyday eating, but not um, in it, like not a nut butter that we're going to be working on. So that's just our little tease um, to watch out for on e-com of just some like everyday snacks, but in the nut realm, but not nut butter. That was actually something I was going to ask, like anything that's like not butter, not nut butter related. 
um coming but the crunchy nut butter oh my god guys i'd be so excited because i yeah you know you'll you'll get some for sure <laughs> i love the be well i'll like taste test anything you want me to too um I okay. like well crunchy blends like i love putting that on like my bagels and english muffins and stuff because i like the little like crunch on top mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. i actually i'll buy like the organic peanuts from whole foods and like crush them up and put them on mm-hmm. top of yeah the nut butter with yeah i'm I'm like hungry now. That sounds bury so me with me. Like, <laughs> well, like Jordan will literally use half a jar in a smoothie. I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't even taste in your smoothie. Yeah, pour it. it in. Yeah. Well, that's like it's the fun. Cool. The fun thing about. I mean, I, I was thinking more about like why we're one of the only creamy peanut butters out there that's so drizzly, and we've talked about this. Is I think it's because they're, you know, peanut butter is just such a nostalgic category, and for so long it's been like sandwiches, 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 and I think. Erica likes and I starting a nut butter company when we did was sort of also the foodie world emerging. So we're like, well, what kind of nut butter can we put on our smoothie bowls? And how can we drizzle something on this baked good we just made? And nobody else was making nut butter for like these eating occasions. And I think that's what is cool about just as different people start companies at different ages and genders and races and like different ways they eat nut butter. Like it's like discovering these other ways of treating like a very classic food. And so that's why it's cool about like representation in the food world is you just like get more innovation the more there are people of different ages and different demographics creating products. Um, no, totally. Other, you know, you needed like a young woman to basically create like a banana bread drizzled peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Literally. And we know, like, we also know that like some people don't like that and that's fine. And we like, don't, you know, it's just like, we want, of course, everyone to love our nut butters, but if people like don't like that texture, which we hear about and we're like, okay, that's like, we're probably not going to be for you. And, and that's totally fine. We just want to do what we do really well. That's crazy. I've never gotten any feedback that has, someone has gotten the nut butter and hasn't been satisfied. So well, I think nice. you, like you showcase just like the most beautiful, yummy ways to like drizzle it. So I feel like if people are like following you and making your recipes, like that's like how they want it to turn out and look. True. But you know, there are like classic, they just like want like a thicker, you know, nut butter to just like stay on bread. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. If we don't have that for you, that's okay. But go to Rachel's Instagram and get inspiration and you won't complain. <laughs> I sit there and spoon it though. It's literally just like. Yeah, no, I mean, same. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, Now you guys, your best friends, like literally one person, as you were saying in the beginning of the interview. <laughs> What is that like working so closely with like another person? Like, how do you guys kind of divide and conquer the brand and the business? Yeah, yeah I I'm, think, oh, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> You're going to say probably the same thing I'm going to say. Well, maybe not. Maybe we'll have different versions. Um, I, what I was, I was just going to start by saying that I think, you know, since we've been doing this almost 10 years, we've talked to a lot of other founder partnerships and seen a lot of other like, dynamics kind of play out. And I think something that like the biggest benefit that we had when we started the business and kind of the basis of like our friendship and business partnership was that we were roommates. So I think for us, that was such a huge advantage because we lived together for five years and a couple of those years were like before we started the business. So we already knew each other super well and, you know, kind of knew each other's like quirks and tastes and likes and dislikes and, you know, our, our personalities. And I just think that that is so important in a business partnership because you're 
lives are so intertwined and you're going to be spending so much time together um, and, you know, going through so much together and, you know, trying to figure out problems and hardships. So I think for us, that has made our business relationship, like just having those roots as roommates, um, living together and getting so comfortable with each other that has helped our business partnership more than anything. And yeah, I also think like our personalities lend really well to being, you know, friends and business partners. I definitely don't think it's for everyone. I would not recommend, you know, that people like start a business with their best friend because it is super hard. And I think that we are pretty good at like transitioning, like, oh, we're friends and like, we can talk about things outside of work. And, you know, then we can easily switch and talk about something with the business. But because, you know, a startup and, you know, growing a business takes so much out of you and like takes so much of, uh, you know, it takes up your life. It's like that relationship, our business relationship has definitely, I feel like come first in a lot of ways over the last 10 years. So it's, you know, there is like that downside to where like, okay, our relationship is not the same. And I think both Keel and I are just like, we've been good at like accepting that and like being like, this is just how it is. And we're okay with it. And I think we both know when we're like, oh, we should like hang out as friends instead of like, just (laughs) as, you know, business partners and like just having meetings and calls. So I think we both like are, you know, good about like reading each other and like kind of just, you know, doing what's best for like the business and our, our relationship, even though it can be hard. And the way that our, our relationship functions, I think helps a lot, which is that, I mean, day one, I was, and this is Keely talking, like day one, I was making a website, like figuring out whose commercial kitchen we could rent in like, I've always been very logistics focused. And that's why for people listening, like you never see me on social media because I probably am like on an Excel spreadsheet, like, just, like in my pajamas, you know, and Erica is luckily, like, I feel like it worked out so well for us that we got a business partner that has an opposite skill set. Erica, like day one was like on Facebook telling all our friends about it, like making friends with like the cranky lady we rented a commercial kitchen from. And like Erica is very much like the face of the brand and also like the heart of the brand in a lot of ways. Like she really brings that heart and soul to our business. And I'm a little bit more of like the numbers cruncher. So I think that really has helped that we have different skill sets and we also really know we could not run this business without the other. So it's never been like, oh man, like I could just do everything that other person does. And I think that is an issue that some co-founders run into is that they feel resentful of each other or they feel like they can do what the other person does better. And then also our number one, like just mantra we repeat over and over, like for ourselves and then also for anyone we work with is we're just huge on giving each other the benefit of the doubt. Like that is like, that's what we say more than anything else It's like, if you can't give the people you work with the benefit of the doubt, you should not work with them basically. And if they can't give you the benefit of the doubt, you should not work with them because it solves so many problems. Like the people we've worked with, whether we've hired them or whether we've worked with them, you know, as colleagues at other businesses, the biggest source of drama is somebody like seeing an email and being like, this is bad intent. This person meant to screw this up. This person meant to not copy me. This person meant to whatever. And then you spend all day untangling an argument that doesn't need to exist because that obviously wasn't their intent and most people have good intent. And so we repeat that over and over mm-hmm. and we're going to make mistakes. We make them all the time. And it's so nice to have someone call you and be like, Hey, I noticed there's a typo on the homepage. Like let's fix that versus like, how dare you put a typo on the homepage? It totally changes your day. I think that's such 
such a good point. But that's also something that could be like relatable in like a relationship or like marriage in general. Like there's a lot of times when I'll be like, say something to, to even Jordan. And I'm like, I shouldn't have said it like that. Like I'm have, acting like he purposely like left the lid off of like, didn't twist the lid on the nut butter jar. And then the whole thing, <laughs> like, I don't think anyone intentionally does something like that. So I think that's, that's a really, really valid point. That's something that people could just you know, apply to so many parts of their lives, but you Keely were like a phantom to me. Like I didn't even know that you existed until I went to Portland, <laughs> which was like two or three, three years ago. I think, oh yeah. Three like years a, ago, a while time. ago. Like I, I remember saying that, like, I don't, I don't know Keely. Like I remember meeting you for the very <laughs> first time. I vividly remember walking into the office and like going through making a left and you were in the back corner and I remember of course, I was like, in the back corner. That's perfect. Oh, we had our headphones time. on, like working away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was like standing up or something. Like I just remember, vividly remember meeting you and being like, "That's really." <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's funny sometimes. Like I joke that like Erica doesn't let me on social media, but that's really not. It's really oh, just okay. me being like, "Oh, I don't want to go on Instagram today." But I mean, I think that uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny being like the intro, the introvert, like nerd co-founder um, and Erica too, like at trade shows, because everyone walks up to Erica and it's like, Erica, hello. And I'm like <laughs> in the back, like, hello, everybody. Nobody knows me. Um, but it's I think that really works it. well for us. Yeah. I was going to say, in like your, in like your world and like your life outside of work, you're so like, not like that. So it's just, it's funny how like, you're not an introvert, like you're very extroverted and chatty and like talking to everyone. So it's just funny how that like plays out in our, you know, in our business. Yeah. And I would say like, I always would say I'm an extrovert introvert and that like, if I meet you, like Rachel and you have experiences with me, like I am chatty and I want to talk and I love getting to know people. I'm just so much more of an in-person person than social media, but I feel so lucky that Erica has, you know, gone. I mean, Erica's made so many friends on social media and she's been like such a great face and voice for our company. And it's such an amazing tool. And you, Rachel, you're so good at it too. I just think it's like, such a separate skill set from other sorts of being social and extroverted, like mm -hmm. being able to be social to your phone. And then like, rather than a person is so hard for me. So I really admire it. in you guys. it's a pathetic skill set, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's a very valuable skill set. It's funny. Like I think social media, we talk about this, Eric and I like social media. I think you can tell like some companies really don't value it and they hire like one social media intern and it's like, it's your job to do all our social media. Whereas like at our company, like literally what would be like a social media intern job is like one of our co-founders. It's like Erica's most important job. Like we always say uh, that. And like, mm -hmm. I think we have our priorities right on that for our company because we're such a social business. And it's interesting to see, you can tell when companies are really investing in social versus when they're just treating it like a side project. Totally. And I think that's something that I really appreciate and value about you guys because, you know, I'll tag brands and stories and half the time they don't even like respond or like it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's fun. Nice. You're like, you're missing, you're missing out too. Cause like, it's not like they're paying yeah. you to do that. You're just like, I like this brand. I'll tag you. And like exactly. for them to not respond and start a relationship with you is to miss out on an opportunity to like have great brand exposure, which is so like, even purely from like a nuts and bolts perspective is like, you're missing out, you know, hundred percent. And it really is like, it's cool when a lot of brands show like the face behind the brand or faces behind the brand too, because it gives it so much more of like a human touch, I guess. It just makes you feel like it's real. 
And that's mm-hmm. even why, like, for me, I like Instagram stories because before Instagram stories, no one, like, same thing for you. Like, you couldn't really show the people behind the yep. brand. Yeah. You know, you could yep. show these, like, delicious jars of nut butter and the recipes and stuff that you guys would share, but you couldn't show, like, who you were without, like, an in-feed post of pictures, which are great, but, like, I don't like posting myself on my feed unless, like, yeah. Ezra's on the photo. So it's, like, <laughs> you know, it's it's cool that you guys are able to do that. And it's like definitely makes consumers connect with the brand even more, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when they like rolled out Instagram stories. And at first, I'm sure you can relate. It's just like another thing to do and master. But I think, yeah, I think for brands, I mean, just because we know the food industry, and that's what I know, like, I, I think, especially in our food world, it does make it so much more personal. And, you know, even as myself as a consumer, like, I love learning about a brand on social and being like, oh, I didn't know, like, these were the founders and that's such an amazing story. And I'm that much more likely to, you know, spend that little bit more money for a good quality product when you, you know, can feel like you have some connection to the people that are behind the scenes making it all happen. I would be, Rachel, I know you're at, it's your podcast, so you get to ask the questions, but (laughs) I would be curious for for both of you guys running social media accounts and like creating content, you know, basically by yourselves, like I would be curious to know how many hours per week just go into like creating Instagram content. I think like a lot of people, people ask us their advice and I think they think like, Oh, if I spend a couple hours on Instagram, it'll just like, I'll have a great feed, but I think so much more than that, but I think it'd be cool for people to hear just like how much time each of you puts into it. You do. I mean, probably way more than, than I. So my Instagram, I would say is like 85% blog content. Mm-hmm. Like in, I'm talking about my feed is 85% blog content that's on my feed or 85% of the content on my Instagram feed is from my blog. So right. each blog recipe takes me from start to finish. And this includes like testing it to shooting it, editing the photos, writing the blog post, retesting it, like whatever it may be, about six hours per recipe. Um, So if I produce four to five recipes a week, decent amount of hours. Yeah. Um, Plus like the grocery shopping and all of the other like stuff. Honestly, I'm surprised. I would think, I think it would take me way longer. I'm I'm impressed. At this point, it's like, it's definitely, yeah, I have it down pat because what I'll do, like I'll do two to three a day and then it's like, wow. I just kind of have a better understanding of like process, like a process that works for me. Instagram story content. It depends because a lot of my Instagram story content, I'll do partnerships with other brands. So that takes, I, well, I actually recently signed with a management company in April. So they oversee oh, cool. everything, which is truly the best thing that I ever did for my business and my sanity. Um, so now I don't do any negotiating, no contract, no invoices, like nothing for that perspective. So just the pure sake of creating Instagram story content, that's how it takes like an hour, even like if there's a reshoot, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, like it's not that much time, but it's a lot per food, a lot and podcast is a lot too. I know that that's not part of your question, but podcast is a lot more hours than it's similar to like recipe, like per podcast episode, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you also show like your day-to-day like snippets of your life, like throughout the day too. So I'm sure that up as well. You're just like always on, I think someone like you, that's more of like a, it's like your name, your personality. I mean, you're like, okay, I'm sure it's just like, you're always like, should I be sharing this? Should I not? Like what, you know, it's just like, 
I kind of do that, but it's just like with food, not like with my personal life. So I would imagine that it's like a whole other level. Um, yeah, that's where it's good to like draw the, the line sometimes um, mm-hmm. and not share as much. If I don't share Ezra for like four or five days, I'll people be like, where's Ezra? <laughs> okay. The AK, I'm with him without my phone. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but for you guys, you also have to like, Erica, you have, you know, Instagram is such a really all social media, is such like a customer service platform too. So there's yes. so much more exactly. time that you probably like someone mm-hmm. could have gone and jarred nut butter and they have a question or a complaint or a compliment or and you have to acknowledge every single one of those, to, like keep everyone happy or as many as you can, I should say. It, no, you, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. That's, I would say the majority of my time, I mean, I, maybe it's equal, but I, I mean, I would say like a couple hours a day. Like, I don't think it would be more than two and a half hours a day that I'm in there posting stories or, you know, writing captions, responding to people and all the, you know, all the DMs responding to comments. Um, you know, it's, it does take a good amount of time, but as Keely was mentioning, like it is such an important part of our marketing and how people find out about us really and how like we develop relationships with people. And because, you know, when you for all of us, like think about like the first time you see a product, you're probably not going to buy it. Like it takes so many like touch points for people to see a product and familiarize themselves with it and like see other people posting it. So I know that it's like, it takes time. You know, Instagram is like an example, like people will like engage with us or ask like a question. And then there's a lot of back and forth. I feel like that will happen before they're like, I just bought it. Or I'm, you know, I'm buying it now because you just came out with your seasonals or whatever it is. So I really like think of it as, you know, it's like a long-term play and building those relationships with either customers or, you know, someone like you that, you know, it takes a while. And that's just, I feel like that's just the mindset you have to have. Like, there's no, there's no, like, that was easy button till social media just takes years and years to build, you know, your platform and kind of your story on your, on each of the social media platforms. Um, And I think you do, you just have to like have fun with it. Cause I, I think like, if you don't, if you don't have fun with it, then it just becomes like a drain. And, you know, I go through phases where I'm not like, oh, this is so amazing. But what always brings me back is like, you know, having a relationship with people like you or like hearing from happy customers. I'm like, okay, this is making a difference. And people are, you know, we are making people's lives a little better just by, you know, making the yummy nut butters they get to enjoy and post about in their stories. A hundred percent, like makes it worth it. And there's always going to be like, trolls and draining people on social media but I actually just recently watched the social dilemma have you guys seen it I have not watched it yet but I need to yeah so we have like 20 minutes left or something um so I'm going to finish it probably later tonight but I'm always the person who's saying if I didn't to say it bluntly if I didn't pay my mortgage via Instagram I probably wouldn't even have a social media account and then I just like I, I never carry my phone with me on weekends. Like it's in my pocket. Like I went phone free for three days a couple weeks ago. It was beautiful. My phone's on airplane mode half the day. Mm-hmm. And like to watch the social dilemma and just see how it like sucks and lures everybody in. I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes. And it's like, I feel bad contributing to that sometimes. But I then know, I remember I we're in control over the content that that we produce and that people could, that, sorry, we're over that, but we're also, we're in control over the content we consume. And like, we're the only people that can like, you know, unfollow someone or mute something or just ignore something. And, but it's wild how like social media just like really sucks you in and takes it over. That's yeah, like whole- I always think about that when I see like one of my pet peeves is just like negative comments and people bringing people down. 
especially people like you or people like prominent people, basically people like feel like they have the license to say whatever they want in the comments. And I'm always just like, why we got to own who we follow, like unfollow people that don't make you feel good. Unfollow people that make you want to comment negative comments, like get out of there. And like, I think social media is only as good as your ability to curate. Like if you don't have control over curating and you have to follow certain people, you should not have a social media account because it will like poison your brain. That's my, my soapbox about it. Like you just got to get out of there. <laughs> like you can't, can't, can't deal with negativity on social media. I know. 2020 has proven that that's easier said than done. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I remember, yeah, we were texting. It's just like, it's a weird place right now. <laughs> Uh, I also I have one last thought about this and then I promise I'll stop compl- I'm not complaining about social media it's really just the truth but I almost feel like I have to justify everything that I do sometimes which is annoying like I there was a video of Ezra this morning when he woke up and as soon as he woke up he was pointing to his dumb trucks that are like on the floor it's like room rooms room rooms like he wanted to play with them in his crib and I was like yeah yeah so I hand him his room rooms his trucks and I took a video and I realized the trucks are in his crib. I said, if I don't say a little disclosure that says Ezra doesn't sleep with his trucks, I brought them into his room this morning. Oh Someone will say your, your son will die if he sleeps with those. And I'm just like, the fact that I have to think again to like before posting something, it's just, mm-hmm. it's easier just to do that than, than not. But it's crazy that everyone just has such, such opinions towards everything. Yes. That's a whole other podcast episode, though. Oh my gosh, it really, I mean, in social media, like, there is so much to talk about because it's such a part of our lives. Like, yeah. whether we like it or not, it's, it, it is a part of our everyday lives. So I think it is, like, in the power of all social media consumers and creators. It's just, like, yeah. I mean, my perspective is just, like, put, you know, it's, like, it should, it should be, like, fun and, like, fun, entertainment, educational. Like, I feel like it can, it can be really good if you, if you are responsible with it. Yeah. And then the best part is just bringing me closer to people like you. And like, I wouldn't know you guys was with the social media. Yeah. So guys, I don't, I like, well, I'm sure we'll keep talking for a little bit after this is recording, but thank (laughs) you so much for sharing your story and like more of behind the scenes. I can't wait for everyone to like have the voices of the founders of the best (laughs) peanut butter and nut butters ever as they're like hopefully baking and cooking something and using them. So thank you guys so much. If you want to just tell everyone where they could find you and learn more about Wild Friends. Yeah. yeah. Well, since we were talking about social media, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> say hi to us there. <laughs> I know. But that is, we promise, we promise it's very, a very positive space. Yeah. Positive. Very yeah. positive. You'll want to eat something yummy drizzled in that butter after you look at our Instagram. Rules <laughs> it dripped like water all over me. Yes. Yeah, that's wild underscore friends. So come say hi to us there. We have a website, um, wildfriendfoods.com where you can like find our store locator if you want to um, look for our products in a store near you and you can also buy from our website and on Amazon. And I'm going to plug myself. You can get free shipping with my code, Rachel. It's my Woo-hoo! podcast. Yes. 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 And follow, I mean, you guys will probably follow Rachel already, but you got, you are the best place to find amazing recipes with our nut butter. So yes. definitely Thanks. keep following Rachel's blog to find nut butter info. Thanks guys. Make me blush. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This was Thank so you. Fun.